This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of I Know That Face, the only podcast which honors the often underappreciated by the masses work of character actors. My name is Stephen Portia. My name is Andrew Carroll. Uh, today we have a very special guest, director, novelist, screenwriter and actor, Keelan Ryan. Hello. Hello. Well, that sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> sounds <laughs> way better than mine. <laughs> <laughs> Some guy named Andrew. Yeah. Host. <laughs> and uh, together we're discussing uh, Irish acting legend Jared McSorley. Uh, run down their history. Jared yeah. McSorley was born in 1950 in Oma, County Tyrone. He was taught by Seamus Heaney at Queen's University, Belfast. He spent much of his early career in theatre, mostly in the Abbey in Dublin, but also on Broadway and in the West End. His highly praised role in the West End and Broadway versions of Dancing at Lunasa brought him more TV and film roles, such as uh, In the Name of the Father, Braveheart, Bloody Sunday and The Constant Gardener. He is perhaps best known in Ireland as the devilish father Todd Unctuous in the Father Ted Christmas special, A Christmassy Ted. And he has continued to work in Irish and international productions like Anton, Blood Creek, Robin Hood and War Horse. Do you still have a big hairy arse, Ted? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we're, talk- we're talking about Jeremy McSorley because you've had the pleasure of working with him so can you talk a little bit about that I did yeah um, he's uh, in my film Lift and it was amazing getting to work with him he's, he's absolutely he's absolutely sound he's a real charismatic guy an intense guy a funny guy and yeah I got very lucky that he, he was in our film you know mm. we, um, it's kind of an independent film so we wanted to get a, a named actor for mm. just add a bit of credibility and weight to it and I had I had a list of a bunch of guys and McSorley was genuinely right up at the top because I don't want to say casting him off type because um, the, the the character is placed as the character of his granddad which is based on my granddad and um, he he's kind of a, a gentle kind of a, a guy in it which mm. McSorley's kind of known for playing hard men and stuff even though he can do that if you see things like Oma yeah, and all that yeah. and my granddad and that is kind of a hard guy who's super gentle you know so it was yeah. perfect and he yeah it was weird he, he just um, I, I did a, a note beside his, his name on my piece of paper saying no point in contacting and you <laughs> yeah. know, my wife said well you know nothing to lose you may as well and I hit up his agent then and sure enough he within a couple of days he's like yeah screw it I'll do it you know <laughs> so I was like, yeah it was sound it was great and uh, we should probably just get into his career yeah. when mm. was the first time you'd noticed him in a movie in the name of the father mm-hmm. yeah. yeah I'm gonna shoot your dog Little bride, you'll have no daddy. I'm gonna shoot you, Sammy. What a terrifying performance. Like, a very minor <laughs> role, but I, it was the scene from In the Name of the Father oh, that sticks with me. Yeah. Where he is playing the interrogator who basically, true, really fucked up means, convinces Jerry Connell to sign a fake confession. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna, gonna shoot you, dog. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that 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 scene, like I mean, to me, he basically, if not Audax, he's toe to toe, probably the greatest actor of all time, mm. in one of his most, like, most powerful moments, in in one of his yeah. best roles. You know, McSorley is 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 what's making that that scene. You know, mm. and he's so terrifying in it, and he's so crazy looking in it. It's such a nightmare scene because, also, his performance, he's he's so quiet in the scene, and it's just there's like a minute build up to it. And then the minute he whispers that into Dan Day-Lewis's ear, the whole scene is just screaming. But yeah, also, yeah. everyone in the scene isn't acknowledging that McSorley's in the room. That's then. right, yeah. Mm. And he's kind of going back and he's putting the gun to his head. Because mm. yeah. actually, I asked him about that scene as well. And he said um, that they were a lot of that was improv. And 
they were doing it for hours and hours and he had nothing left to give. He was, actually, I think he's even kind of saying lines like that. The, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. And he was kind of going in and he was kind of, he was kind of going on like that and Jim, and Jim Sheridan wanted more out of him and he's like, I, I don't have any more to give. Mm. And he said, well, just remember, you guys are the same type of person. You're from the same place, same background. The only difference is you have a gun and he doesn't. And he was like, okay. And he just yeah. fucking went yeah. in and that's when he went in and did that, <laughs> did that thing. And Daniel Lewis, of course, just acting off him so brilliantly like you know it's just one of the most powerful scenes ever like he's so good in In the Name of the Father that um, Jim Sheridan when he was making his follow up I think came out four years later The Boxer mm, that yeah. he, he really took that menacing energy that McSorley brought but gave him a bigger role Big a bigger time. platform yeah like that, I think that's probably the third lead in that you know yeah because you know you got Brian Cox and is it Ken Stowe or Stott the kind of Scottish yeah, bloke yeah. and another million miles off McSorley they might be ahead of him on the building, but if you watch the film, he's, you know, it's Daniel Lewis, Emily Watson, and McSorley mm, yeah. is the mo- one you remember. I forgot Brian Cox was in it until I rewatched it there recently, you know, like, and it just, McSorley's the one you remember, and like, he has such kind of a presence and that kind of menacing yeah. quality that he can bring to things. Yeah. We should probably talk a bit about the plot of The Boxer, because I feel like it's the Jim Sheridan movie that's a little bit forgotten yeah. from the My Left Foot in the Name of the Father, The Box, that era. He's spreading to Saint Joe. Now you have Danny Boy Flynn making a mockery of everything you stood for. Tell me you don't love Danny Flynn. You've done nothing wrong. You're a prisoner's wife. You know what that means, don't you? I'm the prisoner here. You and your politics have made sure of that. You have to get rid of him. Daniel Day-Lewis plays Danny, a former aspiring boxer and IRA man who returns to Belfast after a 14-year stint in prison. Uh, his return ruffles the feather of Harry, played by Max Orley, this bitter IRA lieutenant. Uh, Danny went down for something Harry orchestrated, and while he didn't rat out Harry, he left the IRA in prison, so Harry isn't exactly sure what he wants. And uh, it turns out that Danny Day-Lewis just wants to set up a boxing club and <laughs> rekindle things with his ex, who he was dating when mm, he went to prison. Yeah. However, she has been married to another IRA member, and although they're separated, that IRA member is in prison, which also annoys McSorley because McSorley is very much about uh, if your man's in jail and he's fighting for the cause, you should remain loyal to him. Mm. And also that Harry was stalking Semtex in the oh, sen- in the community yeah, centre yeah. that Danny Day-Lewis wants to renovate for this boxing club mm. and uh, throws those explosives in the river. Just really annoying Jared McSorley. Very frustrating by that. I'd leave the country, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. I think so too. Yeah, yeah. it's a very well, meaty... Fuck my ex-girlfriend, I'm going to America. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very meaty role for McSorley with lots of layers because he's this hot-headed, bitter man who's you know, made a lot of sacrifices for his organisation and we later find out he, he was the person who radicalised his son Mm, who yeah. ended up dying in the cause. And uh, instead of that making him question his actions in life and you know his choices, he kind of doubles down on them because yeah. if he didn't... It would all be for nothing. Yeah, and he'd yeah. have to accept that it was his fault that his son is dead. And I think that's part of the movie, but I think a lot of that is subtext. And um, I think a lot of, it's just McSorley, like the way that he's so bitter and angry when he goes to the boxing fight and Danny Day-Lewis talks about how it's a uh, non-sectarian. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, or the coach did, yeah. Or the coach yeah. talks yeah. about it, yeah. And, um, yeah, he's, yeah, he just does something very subtle there that he's just kind of looking with the wife. He's kind of half fills up, but, but he still looks pissed off and sad, you know? <laughs> yeah. And the only person he kills in the movie is Ken Stott, who is someone who's totally neutral, but he's the person who brings up his son oh, to okay, him. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so, like, he didn't kill him because... He, it was anything politically motivated there. He was just because angry. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know. That's why. So as I watch more movies, I'm starting to realize that Brian Cox is the best actor in the world. <laughs> you talk about it there, but uh, McSorley goes toe to toe with Brian Cox in oh, a lot of sure. scenes. Yeah. I think Brian Cox ultimately wins 
from what happens in the end. But if we're going to do a boxing metaphor, I think per like scene on scene, McSorley yeah. really dominates. Okay, those yeah, moments. judge's decision. McSorley <laughs> yeah. wins. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly, because yeah. yeah. uh, uh, Brian Cox is playing this. Essentially, McSorley's he- boss in the IRA, but yeah. he's somebody who wants to organize some sort of peace process. And he, well, his bargaining chip is that he really wants the British to let the political prisoners free, the people who are in jail for IRA-related yeah. prisons, but it doesn't seem like it's happening. But he's still, he's maybe thinking, oh, should I just let them go to jail? You know, and we can put down our guns. And, yeah, we'll just, yeah. everyone, and Mike Sorley's really, really against that. So there's all these interlocking things happening, leading to a very exciting final scene, I think. Yeah, it is. I think it's as well. Like you say, it's, 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 I mean, I think In the Name of the Father is probably, for me, it's like maybe the best Irish film ever. Um, you know, My Left Foot is, is, is deadly. It's probably just not at that calibre, maybe that's why it's a little bit forgotten. But I mean, again, yeah, I, I hadn't seen it in ages. And De Lewis, of course, is just, just so natural and so brilliant. Like, he's just, just a unique actor that, he's weird because he is obviously a Hollywood superstar, but he never seems like that when he's in films. He just looks like the bloke he's playing, looks like a bloke from Belfast, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know. And yeah, I don't know. It's a deadly film. You could say savage cast. Brian Cox is always cast. And once again, yeah. I mean, I'm a, obviously I'm a huge McSorley fan. I just kind of take my eyes off him when he's on the screen, no matter who he who he's in front of. You know. Um, yeah, and also we we talked a bit about on the show, but in Felicia's Journey, I think he plays uh, another similarly haunted character, if maybe not as villainous. He plays uh, a father whose daughter has been impregnated by a British soldier. And he's he's caring for the daughter, but he is very frustrated by the situation. And he has that line where he's like, "You're carrying the enemy within you," <laughs> which <laughs> made you laugh. Our Bob Hoskins episode. That's, that's hardcore. And uh, <laughs> that's and he's only in the movie for about three scenes. But I, I think the the what Felicia's journey is about because she ends up going to England to search for this soldier, and then ends up being falling prey to this uh, creepy old man played by Bob Hoskins who is you're never exactly sure until mm. the end of the movie what yeah. exactly his plans are for her but yeah. there's you just know bad man yeah bad man man. Yeah. <laughs> and you sort of learn from Bob Hoskins that the reason he's the way he is is because of his mom who was sort of the opposite to Jeremy Sonny where she showed him too much love and sort of mm. smothered him so yeah. I think Felicia's journey is about uh how parents can damage their children and Max already even though he's in the movie for three scenes you remember it and it really it's a he's imp- plays an important role yeah. in that yeah. uh, I think we've got to talk about Braveheart now yeah yeah he plays uh, Cheltham the ne- who's like the nephew of King Edward Longshanks yeah. crazy names in this movie I yeah. love it. he has a scene which is the Battle of Stirling and he just gets his head cut off by uh, William Wallace yeah it's really Mel Gibson's fr- character I had never seen Braveheart before it was one of the major blind spots in my film watching yeah. history. And I, I I was looking to see how big of a role Max really would play. Should I watch the movie for it? And I saw he was very far down in the cast, but I, but it was a character who was based on a real-life person and someone who, and I looked at his Wikipedia page, the person he played was uh, hated by the Scots, but also not really liked by the English. It's <laughs> <laughs> just really funny considering he was an English person. Yeah. yeah, and I figured, you know, like it's a long movie. I'm sure he's like, he, he'll have like three or four scenes that'll be worth talking about. And he shows up and is very good. Yeah. There's that really great scene where Mel Gibson is laying out the terms before the fight and it looks like Mel Gibson's going to get demolished. Like yeah. There's so much more English people. But because he's such a genius, because Brian Cox trained him, he beats McSorley, yeah. but he's basically shit-talking McSorley, saying like, yeah, well, you can re- surrender and as long as you're boss you know bends down yeah, and so kisses, kisses his arse, his arse. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not doing the Scottish accent yeah, like Mel yeah, Gibson yeah. and um, uh, no one does it like Mel Gibson does <laughs> <laughs> You are outmatched. <laughs> you have no heavy cavalry. 
In two centuries, no army has won with us. I'm not finished. Before we let you leave, your commander must cross that field, present himself before this army, put his head between his legs, and kiss his own arse. But he's playing, you remember we were talking about Black 47, that kind of, ha <laughs> silly Paddy. That's what he's doing. Yeah, that, like, yeah. Does the really condescending laugh. And you're like, yeah. I can't wait to get this guy. He's, you just want that guy to get his head chopped exactly. off. Exactly. Yeah, and then yeah, it happens yeah, yeah. really <laughs> swiftly. And it's great. Yeah, it's to- totally satisfying. Yeah, just yeah. Yeah, it's great just seeing every Irish and Scottish character actor given their first shot. Yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, there's Peter Mullen or <laughs> yeah. Brendan Gleeson. That must have been Brendan Gleeson, um, one of cute, his first yeah, massive roles. Ones, he yeah. looks like a Morbeg in that movie. Yeah. And the only... Scottish guy in it is playing an Irish guy. David O'Hara, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. And, and I just loved that bit. I remember watching that in the cinema when I was a kid, and um, when the Irish they set the Irish up against uh, the Scots and the, the, the big they kind of marching yeah, forward, yeah. They're sending the paddies or whatever. And yeah. Yeah, yeah. you know they go in, and, and you're just like, oh no, don't have the Irish again. So I'm mean, sure they're just so satisfying. They're like, no, they all start hugging. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. That was just such a real kind of movie kind of mm. fun bit to throw yeah. in yeah it's a hard movie for Irish people to dislike because ah, yeah. Very true. it is, yeah. it is yeah. really hateful English propaganda <laughs> yeah. or like propaganda against the English yeah it did happen though the one thing that I was like this couldn't have happened and then I googled it and I didn't and I'm usually like if it's in a movie I believe it the whole thing about having um that the British nobles would have rights. Prima Nocta. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that apparently is like a myth. Uh, I don't think sure. so. I, I choose to believe it. I choose to believe it as <laughs> well, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Anything I that makes the English more hateful. That's why Sinn Féin won. But again, that's a beautiful scene, you know, when the, the wife just kind of takes, because your man, actually that guy, you know, the scars on his face, yeah, plays yeah. a badass. Um, but your man, yeah, the way the wife just kind of slowly takes his hand off her yeah, and yeah. her yeah, lovely yeah, kind of music, yeah, lilting yeah. music. Like those bastards. Yeah. <laughs> Clannad should have sued. <laughs> should yeah. have sued Veronica Gearin as well, actually, now that yeah. I think about it. Now yeah. that we're talking about it, will we jump into Veronica Gearin? Yeah, sure. You saw those kids on the street, she would do the same. Not if there was people shooting at me, I wouldn't. You've been to my home. Maybe it's time I visited yours. <laughs> I'm not a fan of Veronica Gearin. I think I think it's very good. I don't know. Maybe it's just one of those early 2000s movies where you see it and you're like, Man, this isn't how Dublin was back then, even though I was seven. <laughs> I, but it's just mad that Joe Schumacher of, you know, bat nipples and hot vampires yeah, yeah, and flatliners, yeah. he was like, no, I'm going to make a really respectful, down-the-middle <laughs> crime thriller about yeah. murdered Dublin journalist Veronica yeah. Guerin. But it's, I think it's good. I, I don't know. The only thing that Kate uh, Blanchett is playing Veronica Guerin, and she's doing a very solid Irish accent. Yeah, but for the first ten minutes. But does not sound like she's from Artane. Like, it's yeah, kind of a country yeah. accent. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, um... I don't know. I, I, it's hard to hate a movie where the you know Jared McSorley's second build. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. then you're like third build, Kieran Hines. Yeah, and you're going down the kind. Don Witch, really. All these like great Irish tasks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's an interesting movie coming out after films like The General, mm. which sort of mytho- mythology. I hated that film, The General, actually, yeah. because you just, yeah, your man is such a scumbag in real life, and they have him as this kind of yeah, hero. And all, yeah. all the Keystone cops hanging outside is. I didn't like that yeah but in this movie like all the criminals in the film are very pathetic like Kieran Hines is sort yeah, of he's kind dope. of a sad sack yeah, yeah. yeah. he's brilliant in it yeah, yeah he's, he's really good yeah. he's looking yeah. like a snack I said this before he went on <laughs> he's looking like a toasted biscuit yeah <laughs> <laughs> I toasted. like the moustache the long hair <laughs> yeah. the fake tan you see yeah. it in the tannin booth yeah that's what, what's yeah. one of the things I don't get about that movie is why is I don't think Dublin gangsters dyed their hair black way back then because everyone uh, just has black hair the shoe polish head it's a definitely a look it's, it is a look yeah yeah. 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 yeah yeah that's why I like the movies that it's it's so 
not gritty. It is gritty in parts, but but just the fact that like yeah, all these Irish wealthy people. What can you do with that wealth in Ireland? Yeah, I'm gonna go to get my like fake tan. They can't yeah. even go to a <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. It really uh, makes yeah. them look kind of ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. But then you have McSorley playing this person in the movie who his whole thing is that he he wants to appear legitimate. Yeah, and uh, has just been released from prison. And he's getting other people to do all his dirty work, and he there's all this like great stuff in the beginning, which it sort of reminds me of The Sopranos, where he is in this high company and he's showing off his uh, stable. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. That his wife, his wife's into horses, showing to all these rich people, and someone's like, "Wow, it's very big," and he's like, "Ha said the nun to the pirate, what?" <laughs> and everyone is just like, looks a bit mortified. <laughs> and then the bit at the in the movie where Kate Blanchett doorsteps him. And so oh, yeah, like, yeah. like it's so vicious mm. and so like it's like an animal cornered. Yeah. And he's just like wailing on her and like screaming like the c word and mm. like pushes her into her car and like it's really horrendous and mm. it, I think it's a a nice counterbalance to a movie like The General where you're like no no these these people were terrible and like destroyed people's lives. <laughs> yeah. 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 That I mean I mean him playing it just as a total scumbag again. You know, the, like you say even. Oftentimes those kind of gangster guys, you know, you, you can't help but kind of think, oh, these these guys are super cool, but he didn't play yeah. like that at all. Like, I mean, that scene, yeah, that he, that he beats the shit out of her, like, obviously that did happen. And yeah, it was mad. My, my dad was a guard. He actually knew her at the time. So and he was saying about your man, like McSorty, you know, it's time just saying, uh, yeah, this guy, he got he's just spot on, like, you know. Yeah. yeah and the, like the, later on, even like he calls Veronica Guerin and they're saying vile stuff about mm. what he's going to do to their kid. Yeah. And stuff yeah. And so it's very brave for because I don't think many actors would would be reading that and think, yeah, that's a character I want to play. Yeah, I want to get typecast yeah. as that sort yeah. of role. But McSorley just throws it into it. It's, it's electric to watch. Yeah. You know? yeah. And again, going to toe-to-toe one of the best actors in the world, you know, in Kate Blanchett. That era is kind of weird because they have like Vicious Circle, Ordinary Decent Criminals and Veronica Guerin, which all have McSorley and they all relate to Dublin gangland feuds of like the late 90s, early 2000s. McSorley really, he's probably the actor who's gotten the most mileage and money out of uh, the troubles, yeah. and also like uh, <laughs> gangland crime yeah, in the nineties, yeah. early two thousands. Because he's he's been in like I think three Neil Jordan movies, like in all not really noteworthy master. I think he plays Cahal Bruja in yeah, uh, yeah, Michael Cotton. Cotton. But he has he just remember him in it like because yeah. he, he's going against Michael Cotton, Liam Neeson, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, again, he's a small small enough part, but yeah. he, he he somehow just he sticks in your head after every film you see him. In all these movies, he's playing very scary you know um, intimidating people like a lot of menace there and then he completely subverts all that in Omar I think he played a supporting role in Bloody Sunday which is Paul Greengrass's uh, yeah, breakthrough movie yeah, yeah. Uh, Omar exists as a brother to that movie because Paul Greengrass wrote Omar although he didn't direct it it's actually directed by Pete Travis who made oh yeah who's who credited made, like, as the director of Dread but yeah. there's a little bit of a debate as to who the yeah. true yeah. person behind that was and um yeah, it's about the 1998 Omar bombing, which killed 29 people and injured 220 yeah. others. And because it's where Jeremy uh, McSorley was born. Yeah, you know, and, and that, I think it, you feel that personal connection to the yeah, movie because yeah. it's 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 such a an unusual turn in his career, but he's still incredible and yeah. very vulnerable in the movie, yeah. which is not something I would have associated with McSorley. Yeah, no, not at all. I don't know what's happening, but I do know this. We're not going to get anywhere unless we do it together. I want prosecutions as much as you do. When will you be pressing charges against the men who did this? We're trying to do our best. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah, and he's playing this real life person whose son died in the bombing, Michael Gallagher. And there's this like, agonizing first 30 yeah. minutes of the movie, which focuses on the build up to the bombing. And he's working on the like a car with his son. He's a mechanic. Yeah. And he, he's, he seems like a great father. It's not too. It's all. No, that, it's not rounded down your throat. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. just a very normal kind of guy. Yeah, <coughs> and, yeah. I think he gives his son like a smirk and he's like, go on, you know. Yeah, and, but it's all yeah. coming out like Paul Greengrass cinema, yeah, Veritale, yeah, yeah. Captain Phillips' yeah, yeah. style. And. You just, and yeah. his son stops working on the car because he wants to go to town and he's like no no I'll finish on the car with you and Dragon Story's like no go on into town hang out with your friends mm. and you're like oh no don't, <laughs> don't, don't, don't do it man yeah. um, and you really are kind of you know you know that that's, that's the storyline that says that the back yeah, of the yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you're like you, you, you just liked him so instantly you like him so instantly like their relationship so instantly you're, it's one of those times where you you know something's going to happen but you're just praying that it doesn't yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. even though you know it's, it's inevitable and yeah. it goes on for ages because there's a part in the movie where they I think the the IRA call in that there is going to be a bomb trap, but there's confusion over the address. Mm. As they say Main Street, but the place doesn't have a Main Street. There's all the stuff of that, but the police end up shepherding people closer to the bomb. And it's confu- and it's re- and then the bomb goes yeah, off, and then it's him trying to find his son, and uh, he he finds his son's friend in the hospital uh, who has survived but is in a bad state. Yeah, and he's and his son does his son's friend doesn't know where his son is, and it it just keeps on going on and on until that moment where. Yeah. It, his death, his son's death is confirmed, yeah. and he just all hope just like drains from his <laughs> face, and like the, I think I have a quote from Variety which said that um, they were describing it like it's like the elastic has been set out of his face. Oh, Jesus! And, yeah, and they compared it to uh, there's a great Italian movie called The Son's Room, which is also about a grieving father mm. in the aftermath of his son's death and they compared it to that and you're like well high praise so it was great <laughs> just seeing Jeremy Sody uh, in variety yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. one of our own and then the movie jumps forward in time to address uh, the despair that arises in Omar over the police's handling of the investigation They, in the movie they failed to bring the perpetrators to justice in the years after it and uh, McSorley's Michael has pointed the chairman of a support group for victims and he prompts this official review of the matter by the police ombudsman who discovered that uh, the URUC special branch knew, or they they didn't know, but they received a tip about the bomb but failed to act on it. And uh, it's suggested in the film that the maintaining the Northern Irish peace process was more important to the authorities than catching the perpetrators. Okay, yeah. So it's it's one of those, like, they knew! Like, you know, like Spotlight <laughs> yeah, yeah, or, yeah. you know, By the Grace of God yeah. recently or The Post. Mm. But I think... You know, what it is, that type of movie about an ordinary person fighting to expose this great injustice. It's this very beautiful movie about grief mm. because he feels that the only way that he's going to get over the death of his son is finding the people who are responsible for it. Whereas his wife thinks that focusing so heavily on that only keeps them in the past and she sort of wants to move on. All she cares about is that, you know, her son's in a better place. So you have these two people in two different stages of grief. Mm. And I think that plot line the sort of spotlighty plot line and that uh, more human emotional plot line they come together really well in the last scene it's an amazing movie for something that was coming out while information about the Omar bombings was still being unearthed yeah, yeah. it's as, about as good as a movie that was ripped from the headlines as it could be mm, yeah. and I think just the fact that you know he's from Mike Sorry's from Oman it's such a passion project for him I, I really think you feel his personal connection to the material yeah, yeah and I think it aids the performance it feels very honest uh, natural and raw you know and I, I saw a thing where he was originally cast in The Departed oh yeah Martin Sheen yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, he was let go and replaced by Martin Sheen <coughs> but according to the Irish Times Mike said that his obsession with promoting Oman may have cut into his preparation time for The Departed. Okay, like he, yeah. Before Departed, he had taken a car to France by himself to promote Oman and had 
said that he'd given everything to the movie because mm. he had an, an obligation to tell the story of the victims of the yeah. bombing. And uh, you, as I said, you feel that passion yeah. in the finished yeah. project. Yeah, fucking hell. Because it, it would, he would have been great in um, the Martin Sheen. I mean, Martin Sheen is always deadly as well, but... Yeah. It would have been, I remember reading a thing about that at the time as well that he he had a kind of a backstory that he was gonna he's gonna play him from Ireland and stuff, but mm. moving uh, moving over this would be an interesting to see, but maybe Omar would have suffered then. I don't yeah, know. there, but for the grace of God. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, no, his performance in that is just it's, like you say we were talking be- before, just how kind of sad it is, but it's good to see him um, doing something totally different as well, because you know you are kind of used to the bigger roles where he plays those kind of tough guys or whatever, but he just kind of. He's so open and soft in, in 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 that film, you know. Yeah, there's a real sense of. It's it's hard to play kind without overdoing it yeah, and yeah, coming across as saintly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, he it. really just plays an ordinary man, like that bit of in Omar when he stands up at the meeting and everyone's shouting at each other because they all have these personal things that they want to be you know investigated like some some people are saying like oh we should sue these people and some people are like i just want to find justice and they're all screaming at each other and nothing's really being accomplished and he just stands up quietly and is like i think and he just perfectly crystallizes the way everyone is feeling and you you it's it could be a really maudlin scene yeah, but it's yeah. not yeah yeah because mcsorley is so i think just tapped into the story you know yeah, yeah like it's a really good script as well that they're not they're not, not harming anything up no. you know like the dialogue is all very natural and very real and you know, and 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 as is he. So, like you say, it's 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 not schmaltzy at all. You no, know? no. Like, mm. like, yeah. Um, there's no kind of, you know, your man up on his high horse or anything. He's very, very relatable, kind of normal. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, that's what makes it even sadder because you can kind of see your dad in him or yourself. And, you yeah, know, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, we go a bit lighter and talk about Father Ted. May as well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Gear shift. Now's yeah. the time. Yeah. Who are you? <laughs> Who am I? <laughs> Who is he? <laughs> Why don't you stick the old name and address in the uh, the book, you know? Especially the name. Very important that you write the name very, very clearly. Uh, I'd love to, Ted, but I can't really write. You see, one time last year I was running with scissors and I fell and the nerve that controls handwriting was completely severed. <laughs> I just love how in Father Ted he's... He isn't sacrificing any of that energy brought to Veronica Guerin or the boxing, yeah. but everything around him is so heightened. Like yeah, he, he's yeah. applying that energy to "I'm going to steal the Priest of the Year Award." Yeah. <laughs> it just makes it so well, funny. What he manages to do, yeah. like, to be menacing and funny at the same time. Yeah, it's yeah. Very, and he's very a, unusual. He's yeah, a great yeah. laugh when he laughs yeah. as a boxer. <laughs> it's it's so scary yeah. and like s- s- spine chilling, and he does a lot of that, like, ha <laughs> 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 in Father Ted. He does. <laughs> I have actually have a quote that you wrote because you covered uh, the Father Ted Christmas special. Oh yeah, sure. Year, yeah, and yeah. It's one of my favorite intros to an article ever. So Go for it. Yeah. Has there ever been a villain more terrifying than Father Todd Unctuous. <laughs> His intentions and reasons are unknowable even to him. After all, he stole a fellow priest's clothes because it was just kind of going that way. <laughs> uh, it was just kind of going that way. <laughs> <laughs> I love the bit at the end when I love the, the cop at the end who yeah, sort of sums yeah. up everything and he's like, well, Father Todd Unctuous, if that really is your name and he's like, I told you it wasn't. <laughs> he's still really intense. I already told you it wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> but he walks in on them when he's in just the, his wide front stuff. Oh my God. The Mrs. Robinson. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's just standing there like he just second. Well, here we are now. All the lads. Yeah. <laughs> I love the, the fist thing he does. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, what the hell is that? I don't know. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> Who am I? Yeah. Yeah. Father Hiroshima Father Hiroshima Twinkie. Father Chewy 
Pee-wee. <laughs> Father Pee-wee Stairmaster. Well, Spoto yeah. Komodo. Yeah. Well, like, I mean, that, that for him, like, I mean, anybody who's in Father Ted, in the kind of, you know, the cameo guys or whatever you want to, they become legends. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. like, um, I saw the guy who in the very very dark caves like last year in the airport that, yeah. he, that he wanted to say to me, I don't believe it oh, yeah. and I saw him at the bar and of course I wanted to say I don't believe it but it's, he, that's 20 years ago he must be still getting it you know so it's interesting you say that like he brings that same intensity but like to still in the Golden Cleric Award you know and he's just so fucking uh, how does he manage to be kind of frightening and funny at the same time yeah. like it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's his, a mad balance his face is always kind of the same because he always has this like this blank stare and just this kind of thick smile on his face yeah, like, really deep voice yeah yeah, yeah 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 great voice yeah. yeah I think he does a lot of radio stuff as well mm. actually the radio plays now. Yeah, the oh, bit yeah. where he's trying to which is he could just take it out of the case but he's like <laughs> sketching the place and he's like taking notes of all the creeks yeah. Father, Jack, <laughs> Father Jack is sleeping but he sort of wakes up and he realises that Father Jack's an alcoholic so he holds like oh, the yeah, whiskey yeah, close yeah, to him yeah, yeah. and then as Father Jack goes together he's like <laughs> 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 he's really evil <laughs> he's taunting this old priest um, yeah, oh, it's such a good episode such a good episode yeah. and that's the one that Ted does is when he wins the award you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. that, he, that <laughs> wronged him <laughs> as someone who works in film and is had movies play at festivals and like has written a book as well do you feel like that every anytime you're doing some sort of like public speaking like, okay now we're on to liars you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah you'd, i'd love to yeah. yeah just the bit with the chalice where they're like up <laughs> down bow uh, yeah. yeah your man's got the cue cards yeah, you know? yeah. Like, oh, look i'm sorry if i'm gonna yeah, be look, this, this, <laughs> i just need you there on the day man i really need you there on the day <laughs> with a bit where um they're announcing they're bringing, announcing the father ted's about to win the award and they're like yeah, and you know this is great because he's had some major, you know, some setbacks. And Father Ted's like, "Stop talking about the setbacks." Like, major irregularities in the pension. <laughs> yeah, so good. Uh, so I have a list of the directors he's worked with. So he's worked with Neil Jordan three times, which was on Angel, which was Neil Jordan's debut, and I think was produced by John Borman. Um, yeah, yeah. Then he and he's in The Butcher Boy and Michael Collins and then he did two Jim Sheridan movies in the name of The Father the Boxer and he also worked with Irish directors Pat O'Connor Thaddeus O'Sullivan Terry George and John Carney and then mm. international people he's worked with uh, it's insane Mel Gibson Ridley Scott Steven Spielberg Alan Parker Atomy Goyen Fernando Moreles Paul Greengrass and Joe Schumacher twice because Joe Schumacher drove around a kicker and puts him as the as Henry Cavill's dad in Blood Creek. Oh yeah, yeah which is yeah, yeah. do you know who wrote Blood Creek? Uh, it's a fucking the Suspiria it's writer, Suspiria yeah, and yeah. the terror guy, yeah, David. Yeah. Uh, can't pronounce his name. K. David K. Guy, great yeah. guy. <laughs> um, do you want to talk about? Um, we were talking about international directors he's worked with uh, The Constant Gardener which oh was, yeah, uh, yeah Fernando Moreles he plays like two, which, you, which oh, you did your thesis on yeah. which I did my thesis no I didn't <laughs> Fernando Moreles director of The Two Popes not yeah. one <laughs> two two popes yeah. yeah well he doesn't play a pope in this Thank he God. plays Sir Kenneth Curtis who's a it's been a while since I've seen it so uh, I may have the plot has kind of a little faded a bit from my memory but he uh, he, Kenneth Curtis is like a he's like a big farmer rep I think who like reveals key information to Justin Quayle who's uh, Ray Fiennes' character about the Dipraxa drug trials which are killing people in uh, the slums in Kenya and he just has some great lines in it like where he's like bringing um, 
Ray finds to the mass grave. He's like, get in, fuckhead. <laughs> uh, he's not like a hugely imp- important character plot wise, but like that last interaction he has with uh, Justin Quayle kind of shows that he's learned the error of his ways in that he, start- he starts off really like bullish and brutish and he's like bullying uh, Tim Donahue, who's like the spy master in Kenya, who's played by Donald Sumter, who was in like Chernobyl and uh, other stuff. <laughs> Yeah, he eventually kind of settles into accepting his guilt and complicity, probably because he realises he's going to be killed by Big Pharma for revealing all these secrets. And yeah, he's just kind of, he's like your typical Jared McSorley heavy, who's like, you know, kind of used to throwing his weight around and getting his own way. And then eventually, kind of, in definitely in more of his meteor roles experiences, this like turning point where he realises that uh, he's going to have to, he's going to have to change and maybe do some good. Or not. <laughs> yeah. It seems impressive that he has quite a big arc. Yeah, he's in, in, he has like three scenes. Yeah, which is, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he yeah. managed to get an arc out of that. Yeah, yeah no, yeah. it's incredible. <laughs> and um, you like the concert gardener? Yeah, yeah, I've, I saw it like four times in sixth year, which was seven years ago. <laughs> but uh, I, I haven't watched yeah. it since because I kind of overdid it back then. Right. Four times in one year is a bit much. Yeah, we did the Italian movie, I'm Not Scared, which is also good too, but I was like, oh, yeah, I read the book. The is that the one about the kidnapping? Yeah, yeah, it's good too. Yeah. Um, and then I think last thing we've talked about Lyft can you sum up the plot of the movie for people who may not have seen it it's streaming on Amazon Prime it's on Amazon Prime yeah yeah. Um, (laughs) just recently just before the Christmas Um, it's about a guy uh, Sean played by Fia Cunz who um, he attacks a security guard in in an office building and as he goes to make his escape the security guard manages to shut off the power of the lift before passing out so he leaves Fia in trapped in lift with uh, five other people uh, myself included, and um, and that's the story. This is it's, it's six people trapped in a lift. Are you claustrophobic? Yeah. Oh, oh Jesus! Get smell of it. Deep breath, man. I'm in charge. Oh, Easy, man. For God's sake, you'll shut up. Everyone, just give me your phones, okay? You only break it. I won't. Get out of cover. Give me it. What are you doing? Nobody's ringing anyone. That was a brand new smartphone. No, I just can't have anyone calling for help just now, all right? Yeah, and what if we're in here all weekend? McSorley comes into it. He plays Sean's grandfather and you start seeing a relationship with them. So it takes you out of the lift and, and shows their life together. And he's kind of the heart of the movie, really. And he's, you, you kind of see what Sean's motivations were, why he did what he does and... And it kind of goes back and forth to from the lift to McSorley scenes. Yeah. yeah. And were a lot of McSorley scenes in the movie, were they written like that? Or did McSorley yeah. improvise or anything? Or? No, well, not really. Like, um, I mean, he, I suppose, yeah, it's interesting enough, I guess, because I told you that, I, you know, I based him on my granddad and mm. kind of uh, my granddad and kind of my granddad's brother, who were these just uh, role models to me, you know. And my granddad was, was dying while I was writing it. And I literally just recorded the conversations that I had with him because the relationship with Fick has with McSorley and they're kind of similar to me and my granddad. Yeah. And literally on his deathbed, it's like I knew the stories, but tell me how you met Granny again. And we oh, those there, stories you know. are beautiful oh, in the movie. Yeah, the, the, the milk. Milk and the butter is true. Yeah, yeah so tell me, except from, I changed from the north to, to, to but yeah, if he was from Ballandering in Galway and he cycled to Turles or something, 200 miles, you know. Wow. And, uh, and he had a um, milk in his thing but because of the bike he had churned it he churned it, <laughs> <laughs> he churned it into butter yeah. yeah so that story is true you know so all the all the little stories that, that he tells the grandson are all true and the very first scene we shot 
was the scene in the garden of the whole thing. So, and it's the first film I wrote, written. So it was kind of a really, it was an amazing experience per, personally, being honest, because you see, like, writing is kind of like uh, daydreaming in a way, you know? Mm, yeah. And then you see all these people, like, I don't sound wankery about it, but like, there's 20 people there, and they're, they're basically making your kind of daydream. Reality, reality yeah. you know, yeah. so it's kind of incredible, and, and everybody's important. It's guys holding this and holding yeah, that, yeah. and and right in the center is McSorley and, and Fake, who are about to do the scene. And it's my granddad only just died a month ago, and he's playing the part of him, like, like and he's telling the story that how my granddad told to me. So it's a kind of emotional watching it. And you got this actor who's just incredible, and he does that kind of. He's different again in this, like he's very, very open and very gentle, you know, and a kind of a really good role model to to his just grandson, you know. And it's just a really nice scene. So watching it, it's like, Jesus Christ, this is surreal, you know what yeah. I mean? So it was, it was kind of just just a cool experience, like, you know. But it's definitely getting to know him as well. I remember, like, when I he first rang me and left a message on my machine, he got that, he got that awesome yeah, kind of yeah. Northern Ireish yeah. voice. <laughs> and it helped me out to dinner with my folks. And I was like, fucking listen to this, you know. Playing <laughs> <laughs> this message, you know. But no, it was, it was cool. And yeah, we shot his, his scenes all over for just a couple of days and... Yeah, he he was dead. He's, he, he's, you know, the best actor I ever got to see and work with. And yeah. all, you know, and actually, do you know what else was his idea, though, in terms of you asked about improv, was the song, The Comeback Paddy. Oh, yeah, he so sings in the movie. He sings too. it. Yeah, yeah. And he'd never sang in a, in a film. So he's like, oh, do you, do you mind if I sing in it? And I was like, we were like, yeah. yeah. Right? <laughs> because he was asking for a backstory. And I said, well, my granddad was a truck driver in America for 40 years before he, like, he's from Galway, moved out there and... So he goes, oh, geez, right, that's that's cool, you know. Back the truck driver in America, so he said, think of the, the truck drivers. I love country music, which is true. My granddad did love mm. kind of country music, but uh, he goes, I uh, I've written a song. I, I, he had written a song for the part. He just kind of melody that he was playing, and he goes himself and his other friend wrote the song "Come Back, Paddy," and he wanted to sing it in the film. So we're <laughs> like, brilliant. So and and th- actually, that's a bit that was missing in the script that I wasn't even aware of, really. You know, you needed that yeah, that little yeah. loop just mm. to bring it back, and we kind of used the song a couple of times. But yeah, that was that was his idea. So, like, he didn't he the the rest all the stuff in the lift is word for word uh, what I'd uh, written because we had to rehearse it like a play because we had to shoot it so quick. And it yeah. Is. yeah. But McSorley's like he kind of threw in little bits of his own thing. He told the stories the same, but he was kind of he throw in his own kind of just nuances or whatever. Yeah, you yeah. know, it sounds like he was very easy to work with, which. Yeah, uh, yeah, like he's um, he uh, he was, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, he's intense. Someone like, who's been in so many big movies is doing this smaller independent Irish movie might throw their weight around, but it yeah, well, like you know, that. I shouldn't say intense because because he, he he's both he's he's a very just an interesting guy. Like he he's very very down to earth. He's awful at yeah, stories. Yeah. Very charismatic. And as I said, you know, playing that joke with my wife and all, that was just cool, you know. <laughs> um, no, I really, really got on. He's kind of a blo- bloke you just love to go for a pint with, you know. Yeah. But he, he, he takes it very seriously as well. He was nervous about some of the stuff, which I was really surprised at, you know. You know, so like, oh, am I going to do this good? or if I, You know, and then he was aware that it was in a very important role, personally for me, that yeah, I'd written yeah. this part. So he wanted to do it justice, you know. So I was, it was interesting to see that, that he was kind of a little bit, okay, I want to get this right. And I read lines with him, because so, I don't have any scenes with him, but I got to, I was reading lines. Yeah, yeah. I was like, it's so surreal. Yeah. <laughs> I, hadn't, I hadn't been in that much stuff, you know, and I'm just reading it since I'm fucking pitching myself. I'm trying to be play cool, you know, so mm. I'm, not, I'm just like, I'm fucking, yeah. you know, I'm reading lines with this guy. Yeah. Oh, Jesus I'm with Father Todd Unctuous. With Father Todd Unctuous, <laughs> you know. Um, and, get, you know, get to ask him st- stories about, you know, in the name of the father and all that was, was just as, as a f- kind of a fanboy, it was, it was great. Even though he took it very seriously, like he wasn't one of these method guys either. So I wasn't sh- I was wondering, is he going to be Mr. Yeah. in character or whatever? 
he would literally be tell, like chatting to me and you like this and he would just tell you a mad story and say okay oh with Jerry we need you on said he got and he just turn it on just like yeah. that so whatever way he could do it he could literally just turn it on you know and I've never seen anybody any actor in any things I've done being able to do that like myself included if I'm in a scene I have to kind of think about it and get into yeah, the yeah, kind yeah, of zone yeah. or whatever but he was he would literally be just kind of having the crack and then it's like okay and he just and he just be there in, yeah. in it which is very unusual you know and then be able to just bounce off the one thing that is actually a bit improvised as well probably in the whole film is um the conversation in the pub around the that's uh, i love him uh, around, that around the casting i love that bit as well it's like fucking bit in right as well <laughs> but, uh, he, he's he's there kind of and he's just buzzing off yeah. off fake and that's what i mean that, by being on that we shot that right after he he, he played the joke with my wife and we're chatting he's telling us another story just at the bar and he's all full of the crack and next thing okay Jerry comes on next thing he sits down beside Fig and he just starts kind of rolling you know yeah, and yeah. slagging off your man and you know it was just early yeah, yeah it's great to see it was a real, and like I said it was we shot it like in 15 you know so it took a long time to get out mm. but um, so I didn't you know it was a new enough experience for me and all being on you know making yeah. my own film and and all that so it was, it was it was a good kind of learning experience for me just watching them you yeah. know and just having someone like McSorley make it easier to get the movie distributed yeah. well yeah like I mean it definitely got it easier for we had a pretty successful festival run and getting into America because he's known in America so we got in some good festivals over there and then we did get picked up I think in a set, like we didn't finish it till 16 or something and then we did a festival run the next year it all takes ages Yeah, and we got picked up in 17 by the distributor but then the distributor was bought out by a bigger distributor which delayed it for another okay yeah, yeah. Fucking, yeah. Uh, and, and, and the bigger pl- one didn't care as much about Lyft which is a little bit unfortunate yeah. at the time but um, it was released in America in 18 and but then the timing worked out good because it was really only released just at Christmas on Prime which again if it was a year ago nobody has Prime but now yeah. those people have it and mm, it's free yeah. with air and all that so it's kind of cool lots of people getting to see it because it is a I always thought like I just wanted Irish audiences to see it because I think they really respond to it, the, yeah. the characters, the dialogue, and all that. Um, it's just a fun film. Now, time we had did screen it in, in Ireland, it's just a great reaction from the audience and that. So now people can check it out. You know, yeah. it's good that he McSorry will lend his presence to these younger filmmakers for because he's been in a few. Because yeah. I remember that year that you had your film at the independent what's it that festival underground called? underground festival yeah. in Dunleary that there was another movie in view that's right which Jeremy yeah. Sorley has a small role in that too so yeah because I asked the agent about that because um, a lot of times if you're trying to get an aimed guy or whatever like the agent you won't get past the agent if it's a small thing but the agent was cool enough and um, he just gave it to him and I said why, why is he why is he actually doing this <laughs> <laughs> and he goes you know well he goes first of all he, he, he loved the script and he loved um, the message of the, the character and all that is something that was an, important to him but he said he also said uh, you know he sometimes just likes helping out kind of younger filmmakers and just doing this kind of thing you know he's just he's just an arty guy and he's just into doing what stuff he yeah. likes you know that's it there's a great video on YouTube uh, it's only 30 seconds long but he did it with like a local theatre troupe in Guidor I think oh yeah yes we lives yeah. it's like uh, just this 30 second clip of him arriving home to his house and his wife opens the door and uh, I don't know she says you're late and he, he puts his arms around her neck and goes that's the last time you make fun of me and strangles her to death and then the door behind her opens and his family are there and they're like surprise oh, that's funny <laughs> Jesus Christ! It says it could be like a funnier die video. So it's streaming on Amazon Prime. Is there anything else you'd like to plug? It's streaming on Amazon Prime. I suppose we don't have Prime if you want to actually pay the three quid. Yeah, <laughs> right. on Google Play um, or you're iTunes or whatever. You're also in Soulsmith. 
uh, recently or a year oh, or two am, ago, yeah. which is uh, yeah. I thought it was a very good movie. Oh, cheers, yeah, yeah. In terms of plug and stuff, yeah, lift, check it out. I think people will, will like it. The other thing, I suppose, I have a book out that's in in all good bookshops now. Ooh, the middle place, the middle place, yeah. Or you can just buy it right now on Amazon. Or that's a, a book about a guy who's dead and he's. He's looking back over his life and he's trying to figure out how to help his family move on and he's trying to figure out can he get back at his killer and that's kind of oh wow well, okay. but it's funny yeah oh deadly <laughs> you're also prepping a short right the uh, which right. Stephen Burkov that's right them. yeah the Anderson Corporation would change your life it's a time travel story it's about a guy who wins a lottery ticket and the, the prize is a trip back in time but he's kind of bit down on his luck and he has to try to figure out what one moment to go back to in his life to fix everything oh, okay yeah and getting Burkhoff yeah you know from uh, Victor Maitland yeah, from yeah. Beverly Hills Copper that, that was probably because we had McSorley for lifts I was thinking we need you know because there's a narrator and I mean someone with a great voice and we were like uh Stephen Burkhoff <laughs> but again it's because we have been through it with getting kind of a name guy so it was worth giving it a shot and again sure enough fucking he said, yeah, I couldn't believe it. myself, my brother, who I, who I made the film with, we flew over to London for it. We had no money. Like, it's a short film. We kind of crowdfunded movie. Yeah. So we flew over and back. We hired the worst studio in all of fucking London. <laughs> and Burkhoff arrives. And again, I'm, you know, he's just an impressive looking dude. Yeah. Like He's got that same glare. And he's like, where the fuck am I? You know, and he's kind of <laughs> like, oh, no. You know, and again, he's a, he's a mad bit of a mad bastard. But he, he, he was cool as well. Like, But uh, he walks in and... Uh, the boot was about the size of like a stand-up shower, you know. And the guy's eighty-two, you know. Oh wow! And we were just like, oh no. And he's like, first thing, he's like, it fucking stinks in here. <laughs> we're like, oh god. And he's like, ah lads, no, look, uh, let's let's do this next week, you know. Fuck this, they get a proper studio. And we're like, oh god damn it, because you know yeah, we don't have yeah, any more yeah. money, so yeah. I had to tr turn on the Irish charm with him. And luckily enough, he likes Irish people because <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> yeah. I think they they helped a bunch of Jews in the east uh, east end where he's from you know back in the day yeah. he had all these stories about Jews and Irish fighting together <laughs> so he was like okay fuck it and uh, he but again in fairness once he said he's going to do it he, he sat in there stood in there for about two and a half hours he wanted to give it other goals and yeah. you know once he got into it he, he, he was awesome to work with and yeah. we went for a pint with him after in the place next door and I could see those guys around 40 year old 40 you know looking at us yeah. and telly that's your man for fucking Rambo you know <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, we're like, and it felt so cool you know there I am having a pint with him you know and uh, when can people expect to see that short um, it's it's we've just finished it I got into two festivals already uh, actually we just tried to raise a few extra quid now to, to pay for the festival so again any of your listeners want to yeah. <laughs> give me a few quid hit me up on Facebook or something yeah so hopefully soon enough Andrew, where can people find more of your stuff? You can find me at the Headstuff Gaming section where we write about what we play, why we play and how we play. Uh, I'm writing for Hot Press, I'm writing for Travel Ireland, I'm the film editor for Headstuff and I don't have any catchy phrases about that. Well, you need to come up with one. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so give it a rate, review, subscribe wherever you get podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at I Know That Face P1. If you have a suggestion about a character actor you'd like to be covered on the show, email iknowthatfacepod at gmail.com. Or if you want to come on like Keelan here. Also yes, drop us of a course. Message, yeah. Yeah. If you work in film or in journalism, let us know. And yeah. We'd love to have you on. And uh, until then, see you later, Cinephiles. Bye-bye. See you. This has been a production of the Headstuff Podcast Network.